As we prepare to hear the message, let's say together a prayer as we read from the Word. Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, that as the Scriptures are read and your Word is proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you say to us today. Amen. Today's reading is from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, verses 21 to 28. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching, because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Just then, a man in their synagogue, who was possessed by an impure spirit, cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, said Jesus sternly. Come out of him. The impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. The people were all so amazed that they asked each other, What is this? A new teaching, and with authority. He even gives orders to impure spirits, and they obey him. News about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, good morning and welcome, church. Wasn't the worship wonderful this morning? Thank you, worship team. Um, for those songs. They were actually perfect for the scripture and message today. So we know the Spirit is working in that way. Now this passage, today's scripture, is um, quite interesting. And I'm sure like me, you have lots of questions about it. When I first read this, I had nothing but questions. But the truth is, no matter how many questions we have, most of them cannot be answered. We simply don't know the answers to a lot of the questions that come up in this reading. And one of the questions we may wonder is why a person that was deemed unclean by their community was actually inside the synagogue. How did this person get inside and why were they allowed to be there and to listen to Jesus? You see, back then, the unclean, the possessed, the outcast, they weren't allowed to be in close proximity to other people. There were special rules set in place to keep the unclean from the clean. They weren't allowed to share things like food or a cup, the same drinking cup. Uh, They were not allowed to be in the synagogue. So why and how was this man there that day? The simple answer is that we simply don't know. But let's take a scenario and perhaps ask a different question. If, as the scriptures say, the demon or the unclean spirit inside this man knew that Jesus was the Son of God, as he states, then why did they go to him? Why did they go to him? The answer is they didn't. And this is my challenge today. They didn't. You may think, but Pastor Brittany, there's no indication of this passage that says so. Well, the Gospel of Mark was written in a way that every single word had significance because it is such a short gospel. And the unclean spirit here knew who Jesus was and knew his power and authority over him. He says so. He says, you are the Holy One. 
And because of this, I am of the mindset that the unclean spirit would not have gone to the one person who would cast him out and destroy him. Why would he? He had a great thing going, possessing and making this man's life miserable. So why would he go to Jesus? So I believe that the man, the human being, went that day. This person was so desperate that he risked going into a synagogue where many people would be, where he would most likely be thrown out, yelled at, scorned. And he went there to see and hear this Jesus of Nazareth. The person, not the demon, went to Jesus. Do we understand the implication of this? I mean, this man, he was burdened, he was dragged down, he was isolated, he was called worthless. He kept searching for hope. He kept searching for freedom. And he found it in Jesus. His desperation for freedom was so big that it overcame whatever affliction he suffered from. This man walked into a place that would not welcome him to seek out the one who could free him. When have we had similar courage? Or perhaps when are we the ones who do not welcome those who do not fit into our beliefs or rituals or lifestyle? So here we have this man who somehow gets into the synagogue, and then what? Well, Jesus is preaching and is interrupted. Yo, I don't know if any of you have ever been interrupted in that way, but I have. <laughs> Has anyone ever been given a, like, been giving a big speech or a presentation at work, or maybe even preaching? And someone stands up in the crowd and just totally yells something irrelevant to what you were saying. If you haven't had that experience, lucky you. <laughs> because I have. I have experienced this. I've had people stand up in the middle of my sermons sometimes just to interrupt me. I've been ignored during presentations. I've also had mansplaining toward me. And let me tell you, it's not the best feeling in the world, especially when you feel like you've worked hard to give what you're giving, and then you just interrupt it, and everything in your mind just kind of goes blank. But maybe perhaps our lives need to be interrupted more so that we can see the power and glory of Jesus in front of us. You know, it's almost like uh, the demon inside this man wanted to get the last laugh by making a spectacle of him. But then he realizes his mistake. This is Jesus, the Holy One, the Son of God, and he has come to destroy the works of the devil. So when the unclean spirit asks, Jesus and in his infinite wisdom during this huge interruption amongst the entire community doesn't answer. 
No, instead, in, in many versions, it actually says, be quiet or be silent. But this is essentially Jesus telling this, this demon to shut up. He tells him, shut up, and then he casts him out of the man, thus freeing the person. You see, the act of casting out demons highlights two things. First, it showed Jesus' ability to replace evil with healing and wholeness. Second, it showed that Jesus' victory over demons was a sign that God's reign was being established and Satan's reign on earth was crumbling. Jesus casting out demons illustrates a practical way in which the kingdom of God is replacing what Satan has touched. It's the kingdom coming near Being on earth, it's the kingdom come, like we pray in the Lord's Prayer. And what do we mean by the kingdom of God? Sometimes we say this and we think, well, what does that actually mean? What does that look like? You see, back then they thought of a militarized way of change. They were hoping for the kingdom to be like a sword and shield physically and to destroy their enemies And change their circumstances. But the kingdom of God actually starts first with a transformed heart. Jesus did not come to change our circumstances all the time. But to transform our hearts. He doesn't always change what's around us. But he does change us. And that can be scary for some people. I get that. We fear the unknown. We dislike change. Our insecurities shine brightly to God like the loud interruption in this story. So what does it mean for the kingdom to come? It means freedom. It means renewal. It means rebirth. It means good news has come. This is Jesus demonstrating for the first time in the Gospel of Mark the new kingdom of God. This new kingdom. And who does he heal? He heals the ostracized, he heals the marginalized, the hurting, the isolated, the outcasts. You see, after this story, which is just the beginning, there are so many stories in the Gospel of Mark that continue with the miraculous healings that Jesus performs. And we read it over and over again, and the casting out of demons, and and Jesus' power and authority, and how the kingdom has come. And we, as Jesus' followers, are called to be world changers, but that doesn't necessarily mean in the way that the world thinks. You see, Jesus showed authority by serving. He served the undesirable. He never showed favoritism. He showed compassion. Jesus used his power and authority to defeat Satan and evil spirits. But he never dealt with Satan's human victims harshly. 
Instead, he showed compassion toward those whom Satan had abused their entire lives. Paul later taught Christians in Ephesians 6.12 that the enemy was not human. He said, For our struggle is not against enemies of blood and flesh, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. You see, we, like the community then, only saw the unclean spirit that possessed this guy. Jesus saw the person. Jesus saw the human being. Jesus showed compassion for a person who everyone else showed disdain. Jesus saw the person when everyone else saw the illness. So who do we see? Who do we see in our communities, in our church, in our city? Do we see the humanity of a person or do we see the affliction? Who do we see? I mean, if we truly want to follow Jesus, it's as simple as loving the same people that Jesus loves and serving those that he was willing to serve. A healthy church pursues justice, lifts up the poor, and walks with the hurting. Do we do that in our own lives and as a community of faith? Our enemy is not each other. Our enemy is not other people. Our fight is not with the flesh and blood. We are called to love people and fight the real enemy, just like Paul wrote. And my favorite question here, what have you to do with us, Jesus? What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? What an accusatory question. Not only was he interrupted, but he was interrupted in a whew, huge way. But it's interesting when we look at this question, what have you to do with us, Jesus? That this question actually represents every person who has ever experienced brokenness in their life. This man unknowingly becomes the spokesperson for all who feel disconnected from themselves, disconnected from others, and disconnected from God. He represents the human condition. What have you to do with us, Jesus? Are you helping our circumstances? Are you changing what's bringing us down? You see, we're not so different. Each one of us also longs for that answer. What have you to do with us, Jesus? Where are you? Why can't I feel your presence? How is this my reality? What have you to do with us, Jesus? We too know the separation and brokenness of our own lives. We've been trapped in grief. We've carried guilt. 
We're isolated. Is this hitting closer to home? Does this all sound familiar now? What have you to do with us, Jesus? We listen to the many voices in and around us. The voices of condemnation and guilt and fear and grief and anger and judgment and the list goes on. They're voices that keep us in constant comparison and competition with each other. They're voices that are demanding perfectionism. The voices are never satisfied. We're never able to do or be enough by these voices. And every one of those is a false voice. The voice of the unclean spirit that separates us from our true self, from all that we love, and from all who love us. What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? Yeah, that's exactly what Jesus came for. He came to destroy and silence all of those false voices. He casts out all of that and makes us people with clean spirits. What does Jesus have to do with us? He has everything to do with us. He sees us. He truly sees us into our spirit, into our hearts. We, even as broken as we are, are loved and are called beloved. His eyes are full of compassion. There's no aspect of our life which he is not concerned about. He calls us into our true self, the image of God, the one we were created for, the one before the brokenness of the world. He calls us back into the beauty and wholeness of our original creation. He calls us into a deep relationship with the Father. You know, there's a Christian artist I love. I love many of them. But one of them I've been listening to recently again. His name is Jake Hamilton, if you want to look him up. And one of his songs says this, I am royalty. I have destiny. I have been set free. And I'm going to shape history. I mean, do we believe that, church? Do we believe that Jesus has the authority to set us free? To set everyone free? Do we believe? This artist also wrote another song where he says, I'm in love with God, and God's in love with me. This is who I am. And this is who I'll be, and that settles it completely. There's no argument there. I'm in love with God. God's in love with me. That's all I am. And no false voices are going to tell me otherwise. 
No false voices are going to tell me I'm not enough. No false voices are going to tell me I'm unlovable. Because God loves me. He's in love with me. He's in relationship with me. We are called to adopt, to accept our adoption by the King of Kings. We are called to our destiny to live in his image. And we are called to live out this calling of following him, our Savior, the Son of God. You see, today's gospel is as much about calling forth as it is about casting out. And let me tell you, church, that's excellent news. So if you needed good news today, remember who you are, who you belong to. Remember who loves you, who sees you. That one This Jesus of Nazareth, he has the power and authority to bring wholeness, to bring healing, to bring restoration and transformation. He has the authority to make our lives good again. Do we accept him? Do we believe in him? Do we run desperately toward him? Even in crowds that will disdain us, that will scorn us, that will throw things at us, do we run to him in desperation? Are we desperate enough? Or does our pride hold us back? You see, for every voice that denies who you are, that speaks falsely into your heart and leaves us crying, what have you to do with us, Jesus? You know, Jesus is saying, shh, be quiet. That's not who you are. You are mine, and I have everything to do with you. Everything. Jesus is everything. Jesus has everything to do with us. No matter what misery or circumstance we are going through. Let's listen to that voice. Let's listen to Jesus' voice. And we too will be amazed at what can become of our lives. We will be amazed. And our lives will be transformed. 
So whenever you hear that question, what have you to do with us? Just say everything. Jesus has everything to do with us. See, Jesus' power and authority amazed people. What astonishes us today about Jesus? When was the last time you felt that amazement about the God that we worship? I want you to reflect on that. I want all of us to reflect on that. What astonishes us about Jesus today? And whatever the cause of our misery, spiritual, physical, mental, whatever it may be, the power and authority of Jesus Christ can and will lead us to wholeness. We are his. We belong to the Holy One of God. We are adopted into the family by the blood of Christ. We are his so what does Jesus have to do with us? He has everything to do with us. I want to close today in prayer. Spend a, a few moments in silence just reflecting on the times when you've felt broken, when you've listened to the false voices over Jesus' voice, when you've believed the lies of the deceiver, that you aren't enough, that you are unloved. Think about those moments, the moments of doubt. And then remember who you truly are. Remember who loves you, who is shining compassion toward you, and who only wants good for you. Remember to whom you belong. Let's just take a couple moments, take some deep breaths, and just reflect on that before we go into prayer. God of power and might. All the earth and all that is within it is yours. Give us the eyes to see the forces that are at work against you in the world around us. Give us the power to resist and to stand against the rulers, powers, and principalities of this world and the power to love those who might seem unlovable to us including ourselves. Jesus, all the authority is yours. And all the glory goes to you. Remind us, even if we need reminded daily, 
that we are yours, that we belong to you, and that you love us completely. And that is what defines us. You defined us, Lord Jesus, not this world, not our circumstances, just you. Help us to believe that you are everything and that we can run to you anytime and that you will welcome us with arms open wide and compassion and love and grace and mercy. Lord, you are amazing. And we want to continue to be amazed by you. We thank you. We love you. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen.